Good morning. Welcome to the Boulder Seventh-day Adventist Church. As Robert Frost so eloquently said, two roads diverged in a yellowish wood, and we are so pleased that you found the one that led to us today. Whether you are here in person or online, we are pleased that you are with us, and we look forward to worshiping with you today. For those of you who may not have a worship guide or bulletin, you can get those either at the front doors or if you will raise your hand, we'll have one of our elders or deacons bring you one. Also, if any of you need help or are lost, look for somebody that has one of these How May I Help signs on and they can help guide you there. Or if you see someone who looks very helpful who's not wearing one of these, remind them that they should be wearing one of these. We're pleased that you are here with us. We believe that this will make all the difference, and we are looking forward to worshiping with you today.
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the blessing for us to come together with our friends, our families, our fellowship of the church. And we thank you for the church, for the community that we bring together here. We ask that you'd be with Sutherland Springs and our fellow Christian community down there as they are mourning and planning to meet tomorrow, to come together as a community, to pray with you. We ask that you wrap your arms around them, Lord. We ask you to be with Jessica today as she continues to talk with us about growing strong in you. We pray for daily discipleship. We pray for continued relationship with you as we love you and love each other. Thank you for the Sabbath. Thank you for the day today. And thank you for your love, Lord. Amen. Would the children please come up for the children's story? look great this morning. Happy Sabbath. Uh-oh. Now, when I say happy Sabbath, you're supposed to say, happy Sabbath. Come back, okay? Now, I got to hear you this time, all right? Are you ready? Happy Sabbath, boys and girls. Oh, that was better, but I think you can even do better. Are you ready? Happy Sabbath, boys and girls. Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, this morning I'm going to talk to you a little bit about, well, a story about growing. Have, are you guys growing, by the way? Are you growing? Yes, you're growing, aren't you? We all grow. Well, um, there are two parts of this story, and I want you to look at this picture. I think it's going to come up here. You see this picture? You see that picture there? What do you see there? Baby animals, what kind of animals? Can you tell? Can you see what they are? Deer, yes, those are fawns. Those are white-tailed fawns. Is there anything else in that picture that you can see? People, people yeah. Those people are me. That, I'm the big guy. And then my wife over next to me. And then see those two little girls there? Yeah, we're going to talk about those, well, one of those little girls a little later, okay? Um, but uh, they, they grew too, yeah. Well, we used to live at Cahada Springs, which is um, our big summer camp in Georgia. And I was the wildlife director, and I operated a wildlife rehabilitation center and sanctuary. So we had, we had lots of animals. We had bears, and we had mountain lions. We had hawks and eagles and owls. We had raccoons. And we had these little guys. We had fawns. 
we would raise them in our backyard. And it was very, very interesting because we had lots of special animals that would come. They could be orphaned. And these little fawns, their moms were killed. They were hit by a car or whatever, and they would come to us. Now, when, they, when people find them, they look like that. See that picture there? Yeah, there's another one too. See? They curl up, and they have these little spots, and they are all camouflaged. It's hard to see them. Now, what usually happens is mamas will leave their little babies there, and then they'll go off, and they will eat and just kind of watch, keep an eye out. But what usually happens, too, about 90% of the fawns that we got were what I called kidnapped. People would find them and see them. And then, um, look, look at this, look at that picture right there. You see that picture? That's what we would do. We would feed those little fawns, and we kept feeding them, and we kept feeding them, and we kept feeding them, and they lived in our backyard, and I would open up the back door, and they would just flock right there because they knew they were going to get fed all that milk. And they would get, they would just feed, 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 and then pretty soon they're starting to grow up. And as they grow, they start to lose their spots. And when they start to lose their spots, it tells me that, well, it's going to be pretty close to time when we release them back in the wild. And they can live as normal fawns, as normal deer. But there's a couple things that happen here. Since we've been feeding them all the time, they get really used to us. And we didn't pet them or we wouldn't hold them and cuddle them or anything. We tried to keep our uh, distance. We only fed them. Now, when it comes to the point when they start eating grass, they start eating grass and they start losing their spots and they start becoming big deer. Yeah, big deer. And then what happens is they still come. You know, when I open the door, they'll just flock there. And we have to do something that's hard for us to do because we get attached to these little guys. And it's called hazing. We have to make them and teach them to be afraid of humans. Now, that's kind of funny, isn't it? Because you think about it, you don't want to be a deer and go out in the woods, you know, and be a deer. And a hunter comes up to you and you go right up to the hunter, oh, give me some food. We don't want that to happen, right? So we do what we call this hazing. So I would open up the door and I'd have a, a feed sack in my hand and I would rattle it and I would chase them all around and yell at them and just scare them to death. And it was hard. It was hard because I raised those little guys and my daughters raised those little guys. And what would happen at the end of about six weeks, they, you know, I'd open the door and nobody would show up. Perfect, that's exactly what we were looking for. Because we want them to be afraid of humans. And so we would take them and put them in crates, and then we would take them way out in the woods, far, far away, and we would release them. So you'd open up the cage and bang on it, and they go pew! They would just run away, and they wouldn't come back. 
And that's exactly how a beer would grow. Those little stages. Now, we're going to go back to picture number one. Oh, there she is. See that picture right there? See that little girl on the left in the red? That happens to be this little girl. <gasps> How many of you know Mrs. Mack? Yeah? Well, Mrs. Mack, she did a lot of raising little animals. And the fawns were one of her specialties. And um, I just want you to know that God's plans for you started before you were even born. Let me read to you something here. It's Jeremiah 1.5, and this is from the message. I really like this. It says, before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. Isn't that cool? Jesus has holy plans for you. So as soon, well, as you grow up and get bigger and bigger, and you become an adult, you're going to grow with, in your relationship with Jesus. And that's going to be a special thing because he knows that you are special. So remember that you're special. Shall we have prayer? Who would like to pray for me today? Oh, firsthand. Dear Jesus, Thank you for this day. Thank you that I'm six years old now. <laughs> and I love everyone in the world. And I love Thea. And one time my little brother and Harper got to pet a deer. And everything is so special to me. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can go over here and get your... Uh little things there. Thank you. <laughs> I want to teach people, I want to teach people to pray. That's fantastic, isn't it? Isn't that beautiful? That's great. Well, welcome again. I'm glad you guys are here to be able to worship with us. Um, for those of you who just arrived, if you weren't here when you heard uh, Mark welcome you, welcome again. And uh, just make sure that you have uh, one of the worship guides. Um, and if you haven't got a worship guide, uh, just put your hand up and we'll make sure that one of our elders or a member of our diaconate gets you one of these. Inside here are the recalibrate questions that will be part of the message that Pastor Jessica will share with you today. And so these are important questions that we'll process and you'll be able to process them inside some of our connect groups, our Bible study classes afterwards as well, or in your life groups as well. And so I encourage you to make sure you have a, a worship guide. So just keep your hands up and we'll make sure we get you one of those as well. Uh, we have a few things I'd like to share with you with church life. And uh, the first thing is that after we finish our worship service here and we, we break off for our, our Bible study time and our connect groups here as well, then we have fellowship lunch today. And I hope that you're going to stay and enjoy that. If you didn't bring any food, don't worry. Uh, you're still welcome to join us for that. But fellowship lunch is a great time to connect with people, to, to have uh, uh, good conversations with people, to be able to 
build relationships up. And the food is phenomenal. It takes place inside this room, just across the corridor inside here. So I encourage you to be able to stay for fellowship lunch today. And that takes place just after the service, around uh, uh, 12 o'clock, 12.15, and it'll just be across here. So that's fellowship lunch today. Tonight, what's happening tonight? Yes. One person, a lot of whispering, but it's true. It's true. Vista Ridge Academy is holding their fall festival tonight, and uh, of course, if you arrive on time, which we're hoping you don't, uh, unlike church where we hope you arrive on time, Vista Ridge Academy's fall festival, we hope you arrive late, because uh, if you arrive late, then you miss throwing pies uh, on my face. And, uh, and so I'm first, then Pastor Jessica second, and, uh, and so you know, if you arrive late, hey, I'm sorry. But if you arrive on time and you're early, then you get to throw pies on our face. And so we'd like to encourage you to be there late. Um, but it's welcome for everybody. It's going to be a great evening, lots of fun, and we're raising money to help to raise money for the playground. So come and join us for the fall festival tonight. Uh, we have some uh, voting to do today, and uh, this is for leadership recommendations and uh, membership transfers. I'm going to do them two votes. Uh, the first one is leadership recommendations, and uh, this has been placed inside the bulletin that we email out. If you don't get our bulletin that we email out, then just fill in a connect card and uh, put your email address down and put it inside one of these altars. And uh, this has been emailed out to you a few weeks in advance. It's been placed inside the worship guide inside here. And we're really excited about all of these names, all these leaders that are willing to take new roles uh, in the church as in for our elders and for our beginners, for our check-in staff, for kids' praise, for the large groups and small groups. These are downstairs with Camp Sanitas. And, uh, and so the church is excited, the leadership's excited about this. We're excited for all the volunteers that are willing to step up and to be engaged and helping out to spread the load of the work that needs to be done here and the countless hours that it takes to prepare to make sure that we do this well. And what I need is just a vote of affirmation that everybody's excited about this. So if you're in favor of all of these leaders taking on this responsibility, just raise your hand. And, uh, and then anybody opposed to any of these leaders taking on this extra work, work uh, raise your hand and, uh, and then come forward. Um, because we'll share, we'll share. All right, good, good, great. The other thing is that uh, in, in Adventism, uh, we, we have several churches all over the place, and so people move around, uh, they, uh, they join different churches because uh, churches they affiliate with, they feel like there's a, a ministry they connect with, a community they connect with, and, uh, or, they feel, or they've moved because of jobs or, or different reasons that uh, they enjoy that. And so we have some membership transfers that we need to do. And these are people who have chosen uh, Boulder Church uh, to come and join Boulder Church and say, hey, I'd like to make this our home. And so these are all members who are transferring into Boulder Church. Um, and, uh, and so these are new families that are joining us. And uh, we're very excited to have them come and join us because they're all going to join. Actually, you just voted them all as leaders already. I should have done this the other way around. But um, we're very glad that they are also not only joining us, but they're also volunteering and helping to move the mission of this church as well, in this community as well. So uh, all of uh, you in favor of having all of these people join us as members of Boulder Church. Great. And, uh, and anybody opposed to any of these dodgy characters? Lovely. Uh, we are, we're going to, we've been discussing this about, you know, there's so many new people coming to Boulder, um, and, uh, and not everybody knows everybody, so fellowship lunch is a great way. Mm -hmm. 
but uh, we need to think of ways to actually integrate this better and to make sure you get to start to know people. So <coughs> we're going to start to uh, work on better ways to do that. And if you've got some creative ideas, let us know how we can do this well. Today is uh, Veterans Day, hence uh, the poppy. And uh, there is a tradition on the 11th of November at uh, 11 a.m. to have two minutes of silence. And we will be doing that today. And, uh, and so while normally we finish the service here at 10.45, and then we break for 15 minutes, and after those 15 minutes we all go to our different classes, we're asking you to just hang out in the sanctuary. And in that time, to actually connect with each other. Miracle, I know. Uh, actually, you could get out of your seats, and you could meet other people. Radical idea. Or you could meet the people next to you, who you may not know either. Uh, you could get some refreshments still and, uh, and talk to each other. And then at 10.55, uh, we will show you uh, a little video, and we will, uh, we will have uh, an introduction to it, and we will stand here together for two minutes of silence at 11 o'clock. At that point, your kids can then go downstairs for check-in, and all the adults can go to the classes. Is that good? Yeah? Shall I repeat that? No. All right, great. <laughs> um, with that in mind, then, I'm, I'm very glad that we get now to listen to spoken word. And this will help us to prepare our minds and our hearts for the word of God. And then we will be able to listen to the message that Pastor Jessica will share with us. The scripture this morning is taken from Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb... I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, oh, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so incredibly thankful and so incredibly blessed to be able to have this time to connect with you, to have this space to connect with you, and to have such incredible people around us to grow with. So today I pray that as we hear your word and we encounter your word, that it changes us. That as we go throughout our next week, that we live differently because of the words you have given us, because of the call you have put on our lives, regardless of our age, um, that we are called by you. We are called to follow you. We pray all of this in your powerful name. Amen. So I think it's safe to say that we've all had this moment or you see a place, or you hear a sound, or you smell a smell, and it completely transports you back in time. 
There are a few things, like songs, that will do this with me, and I can tell you the exact place and the exact time and probably the exact t-shirt I was wearing when I listened to this song and I remembered it. The absolute sweetest graduation present I ever received was from my mom, and it's this little book, and it is filled with handwritten recipes that she used to make when I was growing up. And I was flipping through it the other day, and when I got to the part that said Swiss Christmas cookies, it said, do not attempt alone, because Swiss Christmas cookies are the biggest pain to make. And so we would always do it together and complain together. And so last Thanksgiving, I remember cracking open my cookbook for the first time and making one of these dishes. And as I was making it, I felt like if I just closed my eyes and smelt the smell of the food, it felt like I was back home at wash in my mom's kitchen in Washington cooking with her. And it just took me completely back. So maybe you've experienced this with a smell or with a song or a sound. And so I'm going to play you a sound right now that might take many of you back to the 90s, the late 90s, early 2000s. So I want you to just relax, close your eyes maybe. In my house, this was usually followed by, who's on the phone? And we would have to kick someone off the phone to get onto the internet. How many of you guys have remembered sitting, waiting, listening patiently to that sound? Yes. It takes me right back to my parents' home office with the big clunky monitor and the keyboard with inch, like keys that were like a fourth of an inch high. How far have we come from dial-up? Right? Now, instead of kicking everyone in your household off the phone so that you can get online to send that precious email, we carry little computers in our hands and on our wrists even. Last week when I was preaching, I actually was getting Snapchat photos of myself up here from some of my One Life kids saying, hey, I see you right now. So I knew they were paying attention. We have live stream going right now so that we can connect with people all over the world and worship together. And this past week, I watched an interview of Saudi Arabia's newest citizen, Sophia, who is a robot. And it's just so wild how far our technology has come. But when we look at our phones, when we look at our computers, our microphones, you have to recognize that these things didn't just appear. They didn't just evolve, right? The iPhone didn't just start from the first generation and make its way to the X by accident, right? The little screen that scans your face, that didn't just show up one day. Last week, we talked about what it means to grow strong and that that means growing together. How important is it that we recognize each and every one of us are, that no matter our age or developmental stage of life, we are just as connected to the vine of Jesus and have just as much to gain from our discipleship to him. If you were here last week, you'll recognize the photo of the tree. And for those of you who weren't, we talked about what it means to grow in our discipleship to Jesus based off the developmental stages of our life. And so I believe that each and every one of these branches builds on one another and feeds into one another. 
So even though you might not be a two-year-old, it's still important to live wonder in your life. And more importantly, to live wonder rooted in Jesus. And when we're living wonder, it fuels our adventure. Not just pre-planned or exciting adventures, but the adventure of a daily walk with Jesus. Finding something new and exciting about who God is every day, even if it's the most mundane of days. And when we're in awe of God, and it's all exciting and growing and journeying, we begin to look introspectively at ourselves, who he created us to be. We have nine high school seniors here, and this means that altogether they'll probably be asked about nine billion times, um, so what school are you going to go to? What's next? When's graduation? What do you want to major in? What do you want to become when you grow up? What's your purpose? Today we're going to dive into how our purpose, what we talked about last week, fuels our intention and our creativity in life and fuels how we stay connected to Jesus. But before we go any further, I'm going to give you a little outline of each and every one of these branches, and then I'm going to ask you a question. So when we talk about growing in Jesus and our discipleship to him, it all sounds great, right? But sometimes we can get stuck or we can get tripped up by one of these branches and how to fully experience them and how to fully live them out in our life. So here we go. Wonder, the very beginning. This is living in awe and amazement of the world around us, of who God is, and the ways that he's working in our lives. To live adventure, finding adventure and excitement in our everyday lives with our discipleship and with our journey with Jesus. To live purpose, finding our identity and who we are rooted in who God is. Intention, this is the time of your life where you're making the most decisions. This is the time of life I am currently in. Whether it's school, your major, your career, your friends, all of these things are very intentional decisions. Following Jesus becomes way more intentional at this stage as well. To live creative, the most creative time of your life when you're creating your career, your family. Courage, to live courage, the time in your life when you're raising your children, you're starting to care for your parents, and you're just trying to maintain everything, and you have to do it courageously. To live wise, the time in your life when you look back at the situations and the times that have molded you, and you are able to look back with perspective and wisdom. Amen, Mark. So if you'll look in your worship guides at the first recalibrate question, I want to ask you, which branch are you stuck on? Some of these can be tricky. Mark seems to be not so stuck on wisdom, though. That's super great. When I was a kid, my parents and my aunts and uncles would take all of us cousins camping, which was really, I think, a bad idea on their part because we were all crazy, every single one of us. But they did it, and they did it with smiles on their faces most of the time. Um, and so at our camp spot, down the road a little bit, on the corner, there was this really big tree. And every single day we would walk by it, and every single day, multiple times a day, my cousin decided it would be a good idea to climb this tree. The problem was, he could never get down from the tree. So every single day, multiple times a day, someone had to help him get down. Until one day, we didn't. And my aunts and uncles and mom and dad decided it might be a good idea to just teach a lesson and to just 
leave him up there for a little bit. Like, maybe next time he won't climb the tree. Um, this plan was foiled by one of our campsite neighbors who came bringing a crying Scotty to our campsite and glared at all the adults saying, like, how could you leave this kid up in a tree this whole time? It's easy to get stuck. It really is. And it's easy to get stuck somewhere in this tree because we maybe really like a branch or because we passed a branch or because we just can't figure out a branch. So which one is the hardest for you to grasp and which one is the hardest one for you to live out? If I'm being honest, adventure is the one I struggle with most, which sounds so silly, but I didn't really realize it until I started hanging out with all our Camp Sanitas kids because they are full of adventure. They remind me that experiencing daily adventure with Jesus and that the little things in life can teach us more about who God is. They teach me more about the world around us, more about God's character through the adventure they live. It's so important not to miss out on each and every one of these branches and the opportunities that our developmental stages give us to learn more about God and more about ourselves. This week, while I was studying Jeremiah, specifically his call from God in chapter one, I can't help but notice Jeremiah seeming to be a little stuck at this pivotal point between purpose and intention. If you wanna turn with me in your pew Bibles to Jeremiah one, that's gonna be page 699, and the Bible's in front of you. It reads, God comes to Jeremiah and says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you prophet to the nations. To which Jeremiah replies, oh God, behold, I don't know how to speak. I am only a youth. In other words, Jeremiah is struggling a little bit with his purpose, with God's purpose for his life. So where are you stuck? Last week, we talked about the humility it takes to admit our need for wonder, adventure, and purpose. Maybe you're stuck on adventure. Maybe you're liking it, enjoying the journey of life, but never really moving to the call of a deeper relationship with Jesus. Not really wanting to find out what the true purpose is that God has laid on your life. Or maybe you're feeling like Jeremiah. Jeremiah must have thought that his purpose was to become a priest, like his father and his father before him. Being a priest made sense. There was a handbook, a day-to-day -day routine. It was something he knew and felt comfortable with. He seemed to have his life in order, and then God shows up and paints him a different picture. Some of these branches can be very scary or intimidating. I personally believe that purpose is maybe the most difficult one to process, but that intention and creative are the hardest ones to live out. So here we find Jeremiah, most likely in his late teens, early 20s, most likely looking forward to a life of priesthood, and then God shows up and asks him to do something scary, to go out on a limb, if you will. Jeremiah is told his God-given purpose in life. How nice does that sound? You're trying to figure out what your next steps are, what job you're supposed to take, what you should major in, what school you should go to, and God shows up and he just tells you. Nice in theory, right? Not in practice. I've always hated this quote. 
It goes, we plan, God laughs. Or if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. I hate it because it sounds like we should refrain from planning or being intentional. I hate it because it says that we should just kind of sit and twiddle our thumbs until God shows up and tells us step by step what the plan is. I think Jeremiah is a great example of not doing this, a very real example. He plans his life, God calls him, he freaks out a little, and I mean, who wouldn't? But ultimately, he realizes the purpose that God has given him, and he begins to work at intentionally living that out. Many of us feel this way in our own lives, unqualified for the challenges that God lays on our hearts, unqualified to teach, to lead, to parent, to run a startup. We look at ourselves through our own eyes, highlighting every single weakness we should, would, or could that would stop us from being who God's called us to be. God switches this narrative on Jeremiah, though, and says, it's not about you. I formed you. I know you. I set you apart. I appointed you. God saw Jeremiah in a way that Jeremiah could not yet see himself. So I want to share a video with you, and I have no promises that it won't make you cry. Um, it's made me cry every single time I've watched it. But it's just a really beautiful picture of seeing ourselves in a different light. And so I'll let you guys watch that. Ooh, child, things are gonna get easier. Imagine if we could see ourselves the way our moms see us. Or imagine if we could see ourselves in a way that God sees us. Moms are able to see us in a way that's much deeper. Um, my mom looks at me much different than I look at myself. Um, she's seen me grow. She's seen me adapt. She's seen me change. She's seen me grow in Jesus. But God is able to see us in an even deeper way than that. Because sometimes... We live under the weight of our own bias, right? Sometimes God needs to remind me that he formed me, he knows me, he set me apart, and he's appointing me. 
And sometimes God needs to remind you that he formed you. He knows you. He set you apart. And he's appointed you. Those words breathe confidence into our lives. They breathe confidence in what it really means to live in tension and to live creative. We call this branch live in tension because during that phase of your life, you are most likely to make, be making a huge bulk of decisions. Some may be easy, some may be a little bit more difficult, but every decision takes int intentionality to make. Without intention, without creativity, we would still be stuck listening to dial-up. A couple months ago, a group of Camp Sanitas leaders and I attended the Orange Conference in Denver. And I believe Aliyah mentioned this in one of his sermons as well. One of the presenters, John Acuff, was talking about um, what it means to really be intentional about life. And he said, you know, you don't set out to binge watch Netflix. Like, you don't get, like, your comfy sweatpants on, all your snacks, and pull up Netflix, and then end up being like, man, actually, I'm going to go run a 5K. And then you go run a 5K. And you don't order a blackjack pizza with tater tots on it, and then somehow end up making a kale and quinoa salad. Has that ever happened to you, Alaya? No. <laughs> right now, I'm working on being intentional about not unfollowing JFIT and Mark McLaughlin on our Apple Watch activity. Um, they both are constantly, I'm getting updates, and I think they're mine. I'm like, oh, did I pass my goal? No, Mark finished a workout. JFIT succeeded his goal for 10 days in a row now. And it really is starting to make me feel a little bit bad about myself. But the thing is, I don't unfollow them because that is my first intentional step about being better about my own physical activity. And so Mark actually told me that this started with you, JFIT is that he was, he was running around the house trying to get as many steps as you. Growing happens naturally, yes? Just like the plants that I've owned, they kind of grow, but growing healthy takes intentionality and it takes creativity. Last week, we talked about growing whom and how that includes all of us and how growing strong means growing together at different phases, different ages, different people growing in a community of Jesus all. This week, we're talking about growing what? What are we supposed to grow? And that is the image of God in us. God was intentional and creative when he formed Jeremiah, and he has done the same for you. That doesn't mean Jeremiah was comfortable when he was called to do this. He personally felt unqualified. In his daily walk this past week, which I know you all read because I asked you to all read it last week, right? Jay Murdoch wrote Daily Walk last week, and he shared about Gallup's Strengths Quest, which is a system of visualizing principles of leadership that you excel in. I have to be honest, I'm such a sucker for Strengths Quest, for Myers Briggs, all of those tests. And although these personality and strengths tests can be a great resource into finding intention in one's life, they can also become restrictive. In a way, you have Jeremiah saying like, well, God, I think you're actually looking for someone who has, you know, the strength of communication, and maybe futuristic if you're looking for a prophet. Maybe they need a little positivity, you know, if they're gonna do this job, a dash of woo for the nations. Find someone who's maybe a little bit more extroverted and not an introvert like me. 
you know, I can't speak very well either. Um, God, I'm kind of young. He keeps giving all of these excuses. But God doesn't see a young kid who can't talk. He saw the man that he formed Jeremiah to be. And it's the same with us. He doesn't see all of your excuses or all of your weaknesses like you do. He sees the person that he created you to be. The text goes on to say, do not say I'm only a youth. For to all whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then God put out his hand and touched Jeremiah's mouth. And he said, look, I've put words in your mouth. See, I have set this day over, this day over nations and kingdoms to pluck up, to break down, to destroy, to overflow, overthrow, and to build and to plant. God then shows Jeremiah two symbols, an almond branch. The almond branch is the very first to bloom, and it blooms in January. And the Hebrew word here is saked, which is the word that means watch, reminding Jeremiah that God was awake to watch over his word and to fulfill it. The second was a boiling pot, and this was God's warning. And it poured from the north, representing that Babylon was soon to be coming to power. Then God ends this call to Jeremiah by saying, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, bronze walls against the land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you. God affirms first, then he calls, and then he gives this promise. But we usually want it to work the other way around, right? If you're anything like me, you want to have the promise first, right? Then the call, and then you'll feel affirmed about it. But God works the other way around. So when you're struggling to live in tension, to live creative, do you struggle with wanting the promise first before the affirmation or the call? In Disney's Moana, as she journeys across the ocean to save her island, Moana is constantly repeating her mantra. I am Moana of Matanui. I'll board my boat, sail across the sea, and restore the heart of Te Fiti. Because it's Disney, it all works out great for her in the end. Um, she knows and is affirmed by who she is and in herself and in her call. But what's missing? The promise. God affirmed Jeremiah and who he was and called, to, called him to an incredible but a really daunting task. But he left him with tangible security and with a promise. God reached out, touched Jeremiah, promising him that his words were put in Jeremiah's mouth. He gave him symbols that he could understand and anchor himself to. And he promised that although he might be fought against, God would keep him safe. With this, Jeremiah was ready for the path set before him. We need to be affirmed in who we are in Jesus first. I'll have you look at your worship guides once more to recalibrate question number two. And the question is a little scary, but I want you to think about it honestly. Are you ready for what God has in store for your life next? This could mean different things to different people. 
Maybe it's something very specific. Or maybe it's a call to bring and be hope in this crazy, crazy world. Jeremiah was called to bring a message of hope set against the background of political disaster and immense human suffering. Does that resonate with you? Living in a background of political disaster and immense human suffering. Last Sunday, in Sutherland Springs, Texas, a man walked into a church, killing 26, injuring 20 more, many of which were children. This has caused even more of an uproar of political tension and anger at the unthinkable amounts of people who have lost their lives by gun violence. More so, this has caused immense human suffering. To think of something like that happening at Boulder is completely unfathomable to me. God called Jeremiah to bring a message of hope set against the background of political disaster and immense human suffering. Tomorrow, this faith community in Texas will gather together again to worship, just seven days after this tragedy struck. A church member is quoted saying, this is our town, this is our church, our friends and family, and by having church here on Sunday, we are showing that we are not afraid and that we can and will move onwards like the Christian soldiers from the hymn. It takes God-given resilience that pulled Jeremiah through some of the most depressing and toughest times of his life as a prophet. It is God-given resilience that is pulling this church through some of the darkest times. And it is God-given resilience that pulls us through as well. Sutherland Springs is an example that they can and will move onwards, that they can and will bring hope to the most hopeless of times. In a season where they could feel numb, angry, paralyzed, they are remembering who they are. This is our town. This is our church, our soil, our friends, our family. And they're remembering their call. We're showing that we're not afraid and that we can and will move onwards as Christian soldiers. And they are living in God's promises in the darkest of times. Despite this disaster, this faith community is growing. God told Jeremiah, get up, get dressed for work, live in tension, say the difficult words that I have given you. It won't be easy, they'll fight you, they might hurt you, you'll feel pain, but they will not prevail against you, for I am with you to deliver you. Jeremiah was called to grow despite the political situation, despite the hopelessness, despite the pain, despite the willingness of the people to listen. Sometimes we wanna wait for a greenhouse experience to grow for the temperature to be just perfect, to have the right amount of sunlight, and to get water just enough. But what we learned last week is that the proof is in the soil. And when you're rooted in Jesus all, you grow despite the climate. Despite the climate of your country, 
despite the climate of your family, despite the climate of your school or of your work. When you live in Jesus, when you live out Jesus all, you grow despite. So question number three, are you growing? And what is the affirmation you need to move forward in that growth? What will it take you to move away from feeling inadequate or not ready for growth? And what are the intentional steps that you are taking to grow with Jesus? Our brothers and sisters in Texas remind me that their resilience, their love, their community isn't something that just evolved or just happened by accident, but it's a result of intentionally seeking Jesus. So what matters most at the end of the day? We live in a world where going to the movies, going to school, grocery shopping, and even going to church is a risk. Our discipleship to Jesus isn't something to take lightly, to put off, or to feel unqualified for. Our community isn't something to take lightly, to put off, or to feel unqualified for. In yesterday's Daily Walk, Jay shared a beautiful description of our community here at Boulder Church. He said, Boulder Church is beginning a new season of ministry rooted in the principles of Jesus all and live love. It is our intention to follow Christ in all things, believing that he will create something beautiful if we fearlessly focus on the movement of his spirit. Who you are, who we are, doesn't just happen or evolve. It was the intentionality and the creativity of a powerful God. And we are given those same gifts to live intention, to live creative, to grow strong characters, to grow in the affirmation, the call, and the promises that God gives us, and to see us in the way that our moms would see us, to see us in the way that God sees us, to remember and believe God when he says, I formed you, I know you, I set you apart, and I appoint you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the incredible gift that you have given us to grow closer with you, to grow in your character and your love. So Jesus, as we come together as a faith community, challenge us, call us higher, and don't take any of our excuses. Remind us that no matter what age we are, no matter who we are, we can be just as connected to you. So God, we ask you right now that above all, before you give the call, to remind us of who we are in you, to affirm us that you know us, that you made us, that you appoint us, that you have set us apart that who we are is yours. And we pray all of this in Jesus' powerful name, amen.